When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, slightly different, and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format, and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Quite a different topic today, obviously a lot of people on the call typically outdoor coaches but um let's see what let's see what we can do to support so Gerard straight in for you role of the goalkeeper has changed over the years it's certainly the game's the game's you know I guess been revolutionized time and time again regarding the position how would you describe the role of the goalkeeper and what it means to you yeah so I would say you know it's interesting it's definitely changed over the years it's continuing to change but Ultimately, it could probably be simplified as how do you defend the goal itself and defend the space in front of the goal? So when I think of the goalkeeper, I think of protecting the goal, protecting the space and protecting the half. And within those sort of areas, if you like, the goalie has to be extremely good with the feet as well as the hands, more so now than ever. They've got to be able to protect the goal and stop goals going in. But quite intelligently, they've got to be thinking about intercepting. So where they are in position of the defenders, they are like an extra centre-back sweeper, if you like. And it's a part of the team, not a part from the team. You know, so they are the 11th player or the ninth player or the 7th player, depending on your format. The goalie is a key part of that. So if you look now, not only are they have to have the ability to be press-resistant, the ability to play through pressure and deal with pressure, so building the attack, but they've got to be able to intercept play. They've got to be able to recognise danger and go, do you know what, I've got to step and intercept this or delay it or affect it 
no different to a centre-back. So I think the goalkeeper now, in, in those areas of protecting the goal, protecting the space, protecting the half, it's, it's crucial. No, I love the way you put it there, you know, in terms of protecting those areas, but also understanding that, you know, the goalkeeper's role has changed. And I think there's obviously been a lot of influence in what takes place in the professional game into grassroots and the expectations of goalkeepers. So I guess, you know, I, I throw it straight to you again and, and ask you, well, what are the characteristics you'd look for in a goalkeeper and how has that changed across the ages and stages, maybe? Well, the first one is definitely the, the ability to read the game. So that anticipation and playing in the future, I think is a huge characteristic. The ability to be good with the hands, I think is obviously a fundamental because the object to the, it's the only position where you, out of all the players on the field, the goalkeeper is a designated player. All the other players, their positions can interchange, right? And they do. Whereas the goalkeeper has to be identified and defined you know, before who the goalkeeper is on the team sheet. And unless you take the goalie jersey off and put something else on, you know, that goalkeeper remains the, the only person that's designated to use the hands. So the ability to use the hands and protect the goal is, 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 is fundamental. Um, again, reading the game, like I said, anticipation, and then the ability to play with their feet. And then even from a young age, I mean, we don't want to necessarily specialise players to playing goal at a young age. I do think it's a great opportunity if you can encourage players to play in goal. You know, we certainly do that. Well, we have tons of kids. Um, in other clubs, we used to struggle, especially at grassroots levels. We used to struggle to find a, a goalkeeper. There's been times where I've, I've coached teams where we've had to, sort of rotate it at half and rotate each week because we didn't have a designated keeper and some kids didn't want to go in goal. Whereas now, I think there's a huge enthusiasm for the goal role. Um, we've got players that obviously everyone wants to be a strike, everyone wants to score goals, everyone wants to play. Um, but a lot of these players do also want to play in goal as well. And we make it fun. And we make it fun because we, we don't view the role the goalie is right, stay over there and don't be involved in the attack. I think it's how you sell it. So even in futsal and even in some of the small-sided soccer 11 aside, the goalkeeper's out of the goal. Um, they're joining the attack. They're, they've got a high start position. And then I think as the sort of ages and stages go on, you know, ultimately, once the brain's developing more and the physical qualities are developing more with agility and some other factors, I mean, you know this because you, you've got a goalkeeper background yourself. Um, I think you can start to hone in on certain skills. But I think at the youngest ages, I'd probably just say the ability to deal with the ball being passed to you and having the confidence to play out, as well as the confidence to, you know, use your hands and, and protect the goal. And then as you get older and older, um, the ability to play out more of your, the goal area, uh, be a part of the team and, and, you know, try things differently. I don't think we have to view the role of the goalkeeper someone that can only stay inside the box. You know, I think the game now has shown that they can be quite a high-risk player. Obviously, the danger is the further out of the, the box you are, you can't use your hands and you're leaving the goal exposed. But if you're a team that wants to keep possession, you want to dominate, it can work. I think you're spot on, and I, you know, I want to kind of just really touch base on what you just said there around 
uh, myself having a goalkeeping background, and I was delivering a national goalkeeping course today, in fact. And um, one of the things I always say, yeah, I've got experience working with goalkeepers. Fundamentally, I'm a football coach. I just want to help as many players as I can, and goalkeepers are included. In that. And I think it's a it's, it's a real key thing for coaches to understand how they best support those goalkeepers as well in their sessions, you know, and try and sometimes move away from the idea of even having the goalkeeper in your outfield sessions and actually make the outfield players play in the goalkeeping sessions. So I think there's, there's, you know, there's some pieces in there and I think the role of the goalkeeper can be so key, right? Because fundamentally, um, you know, we all talk about how the goalkeeper can see more of the pitch than anyone else. So we're actually heavily reliant on what the goalkeeper can and can't do. The question is, where do you start in terms of developing that goalkeeper and their, and, and their understanding of their role in, in the team? And how, how are you guys currently doing that over in, um, in Kansas? Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to know what everyone else thinks on this. Uh, what we're doing, we have uh, actually specified training dates for goalkeepers. So anyone in the club that wants to go to goalkeeper training and find out more about it can come. That's included in, in their training, so they get that. Um, and basically with the U8 to U10s, we only train for half an hour just because we feel that cognitively where they're at, the amount of repetitions, we want to go with more, you know, less is more type mentality. We don't want to overcomplicate it for the players. We're thinking about cognitive load and also the fact that they're so young. So from U8 to U10, they only train goalkeeper for 30 minutes max. So it's straight in, they get the quality, the actual sessions and the repetitions are really good. And that's about enough for them. Um, and then with the uh, U12 to U, uh, what will it be, U, sorry, U11 to U14, they train for an hour. And then U15 upwards to U19, they train for 90 minutes. That's how we do it. And then we also have our goalkeeper coaches come out um, they'll be at games as well and they'll be watching things that way. Yeah, it's quite interesting, obviously, because obviously every, every, every team will have a different approach. And I think, you know, the thing I would encourage is obviously how goalkeepers are now being integrated into the team as part of training, obviously, and more specifically in games. And I think we started to see over recent years where they've even started labelling formations by starting with the one, one being the goalkeeper. Um, I think in terms of the role of the goalkeeper itself, you know, I look at it from this perspective. Let's move away from the idea of just saying he or she is a good shot stopper because actually that's what their role is. They need to keep the ball out the net and they're not going to do that without stopping shots. So I think that's probably like a level one kind of um, expectation. And I kind of, you know, typically when I work with goalkeepers, I always go after three different levels. So it's, can you can you keep the ball out the net? Can you keep the ball out the net and then maintain possession? And then can you keep the ball out, maintain possession and then distribute? And, you know, setting the standards from that perspective, it's always getting them to understand, like you said earlier, they are the extra man or the extra 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 girl or woman or whatever you want to call them. And in many respects, you want to get to a point where they understand they have a part to play both in and out of possession. And it's, it's the same with outfield players, really, because, you know, sometimes you get these you get these situations where players think they're stuck to a position and not understanding that actually when we're in possession the whole team is in possession. When we're out of possession, the whole team is out of possession. So what are we doing to support that? And I think alongside that, just to kind of really simplify things and, you know, for, for those that are in the room that aren't familiar with the goalkeepers and how to work with them and really think about it, the principles of play are no different for the goalkeeper as they would be for the players. We're still trying to delay. We're still trying to keep, keep you know, keep, in, uh, keep compactness. 
we're still t- so in in that it's recognizing how to support the goalkeeper moving up and around the pitch with the rest of the team as the block. So I think there's so many different things we could kind of go into, but I guess you know from from your perspective then, what are some major things and considerations that the goal you know I guess coaches can start to do to really in- implement an integrated approach to goalkeepers in the sessions and and wider. Oh, you still there? I am. Could you repeat that one? Yeah, I'll just say it's just saying on on the back end of what I said to it was that you know what are some strategies or thoughts that you have around how goalkeepers can be integrated effectively into the into the team, more specifically in sessions and obviously beyond that within games, in a way where, as you rightly put it at the top of the conversation, they're a part of the team and not apart from it. Sorry, got crazy kids screaming in the background. I would say, well, a big part is, and we're not very good at this typically as coaches, integrating them. I think that's a really cool word that you use. So finding ways where they're involved in the possession practices. There's different ways, right? You can have them as targets. You can have them on the ends. You can have them in the middle. You can have them as a general player within an activity. You can have them on the outsides. There's other ways where I've done even like individualized training where if I know this goalie needs to get better at their catching or the handling, dealing with the ball where it's played in the air and they can catch it. But let's say, Yaz, you're working on your striking. So you're wanting to put air balls in the air in different types of balls. So you can hit that ball. But then for the keeper, they don't have to be in their natural position, but they're just getting the repositions. They can work on catching them distribution with a throw. And that could be for, you know, 14s upwards. You could also integrate keepers where I've had them where we're doing a lot of attack v defence, let's say U9, U10 upwards. And the goalie's in the possession practices, but they're also in the goal in terms of how we're building the attack. And they're one of the key players. Um, I think... The big thing we should always do is there's there's great ways to go, right, the goalie coach is over there, send the keepers with the goalies, that's great. But sometimes they can get separated from the team. If there's ways where you can actually keep them with the team and they're a part of the team, it's better because you can also integrate them in ways where everybody else sees their role in the team. So it's right, John, when you've got the ball here, this is how we're going to, or see when Marcus has the ball on the left wing, where do I want you to be? So everything's connected because ultimately that's what's going to happen in a game. And then a big thing for the integration, you asked me earlier about like qualities. Well, goalies have to. Lost you again, Gerard.
really sorry guys uh, Joel seems to be having issues with his mic but I think just um, just while we're waiting for him to come back I've just uh, put some stuff in the in the comments below this space to give some insights around uh, an out of possession structure and in possession structure in terms of what the goalkeeper could do to support the teams and how you might integrate the goalkeepers into your practices and get different returns from them so feel free to take a look at those I'm just going to find out what's happened to Gerard. Apologies, guys. Bear with us one second. I'm conscious we've got a few uh, goalkeeping coaches in the room, so I don't know if there's any sh insights you guys want to share or thoughts around the development of the goalkeeper, the role of the goalkeeper in your environments and some of the considerations around it. Um, but Tony, welcome. Good evening, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, man. Um, hopefully we can uh, have some non transatlantic conversation without it breaking up um i think you made some really valid some really valid points already with regards to uh, key phrases which always seem to get bandied about at, at st george's and places like that apart of the team and, and not apart from the team uh, i can remember when i first started um putting the one in front of the formations when I was doing things like my roles and responsibility sheets and putting them out on uh, on Twitter and you're always going to get somebody who comes back to you well, you don't need to put the one because we know he's there and, yeah but we know everybody else is there if it's an 11 a side game and they don't stand in that position for 90 minutes anyway so why are you getting your knickers in a bunch about it I, I think that the role has changed significantly, um, as you've both already alluded to. Uh, going back, I think that people have said that it's the single biggest change in football in probably the last 50 years, as far as the rules go. Um, I th was it was it Denmark who came off the uh, came off the beach to to win the Euros one year, who? made more passes between their defenders and the goalkeeper at the time than, than any outfield players. Uh, so the the back pass rule was changed and, and that's, you know, that's forced everybody to have a rethink about goalkeepers. I think you make a great point. It definitely has evolved over the years. And I think even, you know, little things, I remember about 10 years ago when they brought in the rule that, you know, as a goalkeeper is about to distribute from a goal kick or throw from a, a ball from the hands, it's even considered still in possession until it touches the ground. Um, I remember famously it was after Thierry Henry, I think, picked it off of one of the goalkeepers as he as he put it out of his hands. But yeah, it's definitely so many considerations within how the role has changed. And I guess, you know, my, my question to you would be, you know, you in in all your years of experience, how have you gone about supporting a goalkeeper? Because you know, I'm, I'm aware that you know your background isn't with a goalkeeping coaching background, but there's going to be so many others listening to this in the same boat. And you know, I'm just thinking about some of the common phrases that come out when I, when I hear coaches trying to, 
I guess, attempt to support, if you like, the goalkeepers and his things like, you know, talk to your back line or um, make sure you're calling for it or whatnot. But I always, always challenge the idea that, well, how much are you doing to support them in terms of what you want them to say within the back line, if that's what you want them to do? How much are you supporting them in understanding when to come out, when not to come out? And sometimes it's almost... They don't get no support at all, do they? Unless there's, a, unless there's a dedicated goalkeeping coach in the environment. But even then, I'll be honest with you, I've seen some criminal stuff with, with some goalkeeping coaches and it's just like, well, why why would you tell the player to do that? And I think the other part is obviously getting the goalkeepers, goalkeeping coaches in particular, to have a collaborated and integrated approach into what the team are doing as well. Because sometimes you see it when the goalkeeper coach has got a way that they want to work with the goalkeeper and it kind of is not really aligning to what the team needs or what the role of the goalkeeper actually is in the in the way the team wants to play. So I, I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think having worked in in, uh, in in clubs where obviously you have a goalkeeping department and you're fortunate enough to have a goalkeeping department, um, you you can sometimes, uh, I say you can sometimes, you, you, you kind of have to work hard not to have that disconnect in in what you're doing um so whether that means having regular meetings between the um the outfield coaching staff and the goalkeeper coaching staff or you know whatever way you do it whether you have a, a completely joined up syllabus where what the keepers are working on in terms of let's say short range distribution ties in with the outfield players playing out from the back um, and then bringing everybody together at, at key moments during the week during your training sessions so that they're not totally separated from each other is quite important. Um, as you quite rightly say, as, as a non-goalkeeping person and anybody who's seen me in real life uh, will know from my stature that I'm never likely to be a goalkeeper, what I've tried to do, um, and it goes back to to the older courses, is we were. I don't know whether you do this now with the the, the UAFC. Is you got a certain amount of basic goalkeeping coaching. You might have to deliver a goalkeeping topic as part of your um, course of training, um, but you owe it to yourself and your players to upskill yourself if it's not. Um, you know, if it's not your forte, the same as you have to upskill yourself in psychology, you have to upskill yourself with your soft skills, you have to upskill yourself with other facets of the game. So if you want to be an effective coach, and this is probably more important for those that, that are working in, in grassroots programmes, you, you're going to do at least one of your players a disservice if you don't upskill yourself. I think you're spot on, but I think, you know, many in many respects, you get a lot of situations where I think you hit the nail on the head in saying that there can be quite a disconnect, and it is it is a bit of an effort to actually to make sure there is a collaborative pitch. I just think back to an experience I had where I was head of goalkeeper at a club, and I guess the head coach, if you like, was was saying to me, "Well, the goalkeepers need to be better," and one of the things I said, "Well," <laughs> I kind of threw it back at him. I said. 
but you need to be better at getting them involved in your sessions because um, there's, there's only so much we can do in an isolated context with the goalkeepers but more specifically if the goalkeepers aren't working with players how are they going to really learn how to play within the game um, it's all well and good doing isolated technical work but you know I'm sure everyone would agree the moment there's a, there's a striker coming down at you full full speed and you know fundamentally is going to strike in any different way that they can because they've all got different techniques well that's what the goalkeeper's going to have to learn to learn to react and respond to so I think there is there is definitely some credence in what you said there and the fact that it's, it's a bit of an effort that needs to be made and needs to be <coughs> <coughs> sorry it needs to be a conscious effort from the coaches to actually develop that relationship with both the goalkeeper and the goalkeeping coach um, Gerard what, what are your thoughts on this? He's having finger trouble again with that microphone, isn't he? Um, I'll just jump back in there so that we, we don't get frozen off the air like Radio 1 when it goes quiet for two minutes. Um, the point that you were just making, um, how we did it um, at my last club was they with a goalkeeper coach. We trained three times a week. So Tuesday night, they would, they would do the full session with the goalkeepers. Um, Thursday night, they would do the first 20 minutes of a 90-minute session with the goalkeepers and then my insistence was that they then had to train with the teams um, and the goalkeeper coaches would support from behind the goal uh, and they would they would then you know they could coach on the fly as it were um, so there's definitely a way around it what I tend to do now that I'm working with uh, a grassroots group and uh, we don't have a goalkeeper coach is you know, to use that that bit of knowledge that I've managed to to put together to to coach the goalkeeper when I believe that he needs coaching. So, if it's a technical issue, I think that I know enough to to give them technical feedback. If it's a positioning issue, well, that's just the game, and I think we all should understand um, space and distance and angles. So I can definitely help with that bit, but like probably 95% of the people that are, that are listening, they probably don't get as much uh, coaching from me uh, as the outfield players do. It's a good point, to be fair, because I think naturally we probably are more, <clears throat> maybe it's because of knowledge base or what we're comfortable with, we'll tend to coach the others. Versus a goalie, but then I do Gerard, think... can't hear you, mate. Oh, can you not hear me? I can hear him, yes. Okay, well, continue, <laughs> Can you hear me now? Can everyone hear me now? Yeah, I can. Can people just give a thumbs up if they can hear Gerard and Yaz? Use your little... Use the heart thing in the bottom of your phone. And give us a thumbs up. Like that. Like that, the little emojis. Well, I'll keep going. So, yeah, I think I think it's a good point you make. Um, I do wonder though because it's. I've got two things actually. Not going. To, yeah, people can hear us. Brilliant. Um, not trying to go down the rabbit hole, but I'm, I've something just popped in my head. So, often a lot of coaches will be quite critical though of the goalie, 
So how often have we done it where we've gone, oh, you know, oh, I could have saved that. And it's, well, could he have, though? You know, is that the right detail? Should he have been able to save that or not? And then my other thing is, we've got goalkeeper coaches now. I know we've got, you know, even at academies, you've got more coaches than anything for anything. You know, and you've got coaches who are working on set pieces. You've got a coach analyst. You've got this analyst, that analyst. You've got all, all, all everything. Um, but when we think about most coaches who are listening and, and in general, the goalkeeper coach tends to be the one that is the main specialist coach in a club. Yeah, I've got a question. Do we feel like the goalies have gotten better? Are we producing better goalkeepers now than we did before? Um, and I'm not sure. That's why I thought I'd ask that question. Be interested to know what your thoughts are, Tony, because we don't have. I know in some cases, in some clubs, you do have a finishing specialist, or a, you know, I always remember at Middlesbrough it used to be. Um, uh, uh, Steve Harris, I think it was, who would do like the defending and things, and you'd have, you know, under Steve McLaren, you'd have different coaches who do the midfield and things like that. I get it, and that's at a higher level. But typically, in most environments, you don't have a specialist forward coach, specialist midfield coach, specialist right back coach, whatever. But we've always had these goalkeeper coaches, and they never used to be. But then it's coming in flux. There's loads of these goalkeeper coaches. Are we developing better goalkeepers? I'm just throwing it out there. I think, I think with regard to that, it's it's one of those questions that's almost impossible to answer because it depends what people are looking for. Not every, you know, with some people say, yeah, well, we're producing better goalkeepers because they're better with their feet, um, and I'm a bit like like Yaz mentioned earlier on. I think that the first job of the got. I used to get really annoyed when he said, oh yeah, he's a good shot stopper. Well, if he wasn't, he wouldn't be in goal. So I think it. A lot of the time, it, it depends what what we mean by what is better, what what actually is better in the actual context of, of goalkeeping. Do we want them to be better with their feet? Do we want them to save more shots? Um, do we want them to be able to throw the ball over the halfway line? Do we want them to make better decisions? Better is one of those... Yeah, we all know what a little bit better looks like, but do we actually know what we want very specifically? I think you're spot on, turn. I think this is probably where you know that conversation between the goalkeeping coaches and, I guess, the outfield coaches in the, in the context is obviously very important in understanding. Well, one, what are we trying to do as a team or as an organisation? If you like, in terms of the way that we want to play, what kind of goal do we need that fits into that? And I think beyond that, it's also, I think one of the biggest challenges, you know, the amount of goalkeepers that are, if you like, getting additional training, if you like outside the context of their teams, whether that be like a goalkeeping centre or whatever that might look like. Um, and then, you know, the consideration around, well, what's happening in that centre that actually just supports them with their development back at where they are in their clubs. So I think there is a lot of a lot of work that needs to be done, I think, in terms of identifying what the role of the goalkeeper is, but also I think for the goalkeeper themselves, um, you know, challenging that, you know, challenging their perception on what their role is in the team. Um, and obviously, then there's different considerations you have to make. Obviously, when they're potentially male or female goalkeepers, senior goalkeepers as opposed to youth goalkeepers, I think one of the the, crit, crit, the critical aspects that I think are of um, the modern day youth development pathways for academies and things like that is everyone's trying to do the same thing. So, 
there's only some there's only so many people that are going to be specialists at it. I think there needs to be a variety of styles and approaches in terms of how we're doing it. You know, I think over the last 10 years. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. See that pretty much every team seems to think they can play out from the back. And actually, is that, is that, the, is that the best way to support your players? Um, so I think there's different considerations that need to be made on that note. Um, again, I'm conscious we've got some other goalkeeping coaches in the room, so it'll be interesting to get their thoughts on some of the points that have been shared and some of the comments that have been made. Yeah, I think that one of the uh, one of the common arguments that I'm sure that we've all heard is um, with the goalkeeper coaches, they've got to be, I think you've, it might have changed now, but you used to have to have a UEFA B outfield before you could get properly on the goalkeeper coaching ladder. Um, when many of them didn't want to coach outfield players, but it doesn't work the other way around. Um, and I think that that, that may be something, where, if it's changed or not, I'm sure you'll know now because obviously you're still involved with the FA. Um, but I know that a lot of goalkeeper coaches felt very put out by that. No, I think it's a great point. Um just to give clarity on that, I think you no longer have to um, do the outfield qualification, if you like, um, in order to get onto the the goalkeepers inside of it. So, I mean, if you've got a UEFA C as an example, you can move on to the National Goalkeeper Certificate, which I guess has replaced the old Level 1 and Level 2 awards. Um, but provided you have that award, you can go straight into doing a goalkeeping B licence. But if you wanted to progress to the goalkeeping A licence, you would need the outfield B licence. And I think... And I, I totally get where you're coming from, and I've definitely come across coaches in the past where that's been the kind of the mindset of, you know, why do I have to do that? Well, fundamentally, if you don't, then you're are you aiding the goalkeeper and becoming part of the team, or are you keeping apart from it? And I think that's that's a really key piece there in, in understanding that the goalkeeper still has to abide by the principles of play because he's still part of that team, or she's still part of that team. So how do they fit into the you know the, the grand scheme of things in terms of that? But obviously, the you know the the finer technical details and the tactical pieces that come around. The development of the goalkeepers obviously, you know, real key to that as well. And I think, if anything, the argument would be, well, you'd be more qualified than the outfield coach themselves because they don't have that goalkeeping experience or that goalkeeping insight. But you know, bringing two experts together, you know, if you like, um, from different looking at it through different lenses, you know, I guess the possibilities are, you know, potentially maximised and you know, enhanced for both the players and the goalkeeper because. The goalkeeper can offer insights, or the goalkeeping coach can offer insights around what the goalkeeper needs to consider and how that might influence the rest of the team, and vice versa. Um, so I think it's some, you know, it's a really good point there. I'm not sure what your thoughts yes. on. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I'm just curious as well. With the, well, what's the new national goalkeeper course look like in terms of the content? Because I think if we're talking about the role of the goalkeeper, a big part of that is what's the environment that is created to train the goalkeeper. And typically a lot of the environments that I've seen and observed, I think most of us would agree, often involve people just smashing balls at a keeper. Where really it should be a lot more than that. 
you know, and if you think back to this idea of technique or the ideal technique, but then actually there are goalkeepers today that can stop the ball that wouldn't necessarily stop the ball in what the textbook says is the right way to do it. It's not the conventional technique, but yet they're still able to adapt their body in such a way to stop the ball going in the back of the net, which is the job, right? Yeah, I think it's a great point, Jordan. Um, <coughs> sorry, mate. Sorry. I was just going to ask, like, what does they, what, what is the environment? Because if it's where I have this problem with the feedback I give our goalie coaches is the ball is always stationary. Even when it's, I'm not talking about out your hands. I'm talking about typically when they're striking balls at the keeper, it's from a stationary ball. I said, that's like defending a PK or a free kick or something. Why isn't the ball moving? Why isn't the ball getting shifted from one attacker to another? And the attackers running through, and and they're, they're now having to judge the timing of their shape yeah. and how they collect. So, how do you make it more representative to the environment? So that's why I'm curious. What does the the new course look like, and how a goalkeeper's being trained? Because that's going to have a huge impact on the role of the goalie. Yeah, no, you're spot on, and I think um, everything in which you just said there is actually covered within the content of the course itself. So, um, there is, you know an element of looking at the practices when they're announced unannounced and then live practices. Um, personally speaking, in all my years of coaching, um, I'm not a big fan of the old, like, you know, like you said, set, you know, set ball situations or um, serving from hands and, and things like that. Because for me, you know, I'm sure you, I'm sure you, you probably already know this, but I'm a massive on the realism. Um, and for me, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather sacrifice um, repetitions of quote-unquote technique for that realism and you know coming back to your earlier point around you know is they what's their job at the end of the day if they find a way that works for them and then I always go back to this what else matters if they found an effective way to deal with the situation that works for them then that's surely that, that, that that's the first part but I guess there is techniques that are, that are taught there is a best practice if you like um, and you know without I guess forcing the goalkeepers down that road in my opinion in my own experiences, I go back to those three levels I set out. Well, your level one is to keep the ball out of the net. Level two is to try and keep the ball out of the net and maintain possession. Level three, try and keep the ball out of the net, maintain possession and look to distribute. And I think if I if I frame it in that way, I'm, I'm big on setting the outcome for them and, get, and exploring with them on how to find a solution for, to kind of get them there, you know, their own method. Um, sometimes that might lead me down the route of giving them some quote-unquote best practice techniques if you like but bottom line is this if they've got a way that works for them and, and so be it and I always go back to this one experience I had when I was ahead of goalkeeping at a club and um, I'm sure I've shared it here before where I had seven different goalkeepers at one point who were all in you know they were, were going through a bit of a trial period I had it in my head quote-unquote what best practice would look like so I had some outcomes that I set for them and and a way that I wanted to see it done but fundamentally about 10 minutes into the session, probably less than that even, they're going through the practice and I just I just felt uncomfortable. They were, they were getting success, but something wasn't right for me and it was almost a, an epiphany for me where I had to kind of check myself and say, well, what's the issue? Because the bottom line is they're getting success, so why does it matter how they're doing it? And it's, it's that age-old saying, right, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and that, that completely changed my mindset on in terms of how I work with players and, how, and what I'm willing to intervene on and what I'm not. Because at the end of the day, isn't that what we, what we should be going after? Getting them to become more creative and finding a way that works for them. 
because then it is bespoke and individualized and personalized more importantly. But beyond that, you know, and I'll throw this out there just to kind of uh, give it a, almost a representative comparison for, that, for an outfit coach. If you're the coach of Man City and you're Pep Guardiola, Erling Haaland scores 50 goals this season, you're happy. But if you examine it further and you find out that every single one of the goals that he scored has come off his right kneecap, do you really care? Or are you more, into, are you more concerned and appreciative of the outcome that's gone off that he's, that he's achieved with it? And I think that is probably a great way for me to kind of frame it in that if they're doing their job and they're hitting those levels, in my opinion, that I've set out for them, then I'm not really fussed how they do it. Um, however, I might throw in a suggestion or two here or there where I think they could probably be more efficient with certain things. But fundamentally, it's more of a suggestion rather than a correction. Um, so, yeah, there's a bit of insight from my perspective. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. No, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it, some of it links to when we did the webinar the other day, we talked about technique and skill. And there is this sort of prescription where we have this defined technique of how we believe something should be done. But actually, if players can adapt their body in such a way and they can cope with another form, a movement form, but they, they, they achieve the outcome, then it's who's to say that's right or wrong, you know? So... I'm fascinated. I know there's, I mean, Rob, you know, if you're willing to, to share, I'd love to hear your thoughts, obviously, with your role as uh, head of academy goalie at Reading. You know, if you're willing to come in, it'd be great to hear your insights in terms of what the role of the goalkeeper looks like for you and even uh, how you're training goalkeepers. Um, or if there's anyone else who wants to join in and add some more voices to the conversation, that'd be great. Um, Yaz, just before someone else jumps in, I, I'm sure you're familiar with um, Anthony White and his work with with the goalkeeping and practice spectrum and things like that. For I'm curious with with the role of the goalkeeper. Do we view the keeper's role as changing? And the reason why I ask that is because a lot of the practice environments we create now are typically designed to develop the keeper for today, not necessarily for tomorrow. What you know, Tony made a great point, and we have discussed this already on this talk. There has been rules that have changed that have really shaped and influenced the role of the goalkeeper. One of the biggest being the back pass rule, right? Because originally the keeper could actually pick it up, bounce it a million times in his box, and time waste. And then that got changed, didn't it? And then all of a sudden, keepers had to use the feet more. Keepers weren't very good with the feet. There has been some other rules changing. You know, we look at the the rules where now you can receive inside the penalty area on a goal kick to build the attack. I'm curious, what other rules do we envision? Well, and even with the PKs, there's rules that restrict the keeper in some respects in terms of how they have to save the, the what they can do, what they're allowed not to do. The restriction with the feet on the line. I'm just curious, is there any rule changes that we're anticipating or should we be predicting to prepare goalies? The reason why I ask that is, you know, people might laugh at it, but I've said for years and years, you know, and it would totally change the game, but what if the goalie could pick up the ball outside the box? That would just change the game. It'd probably, you know, become maybe a little bit more like American football in some aspects, but if the keeper could catch the ball outside the penalty area, what would happen then? What if he was restricted that he he cannot he has to have both yeah. feet on the ground, but he can release it, so he you know he can catch it. But then but once both feet are firmly on the ground, 
he has a time constraint to release it with his hands or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what is there any rule? Do, do, do you know what? Would make the game better. You know, I, I, I'm not. I'm not too sure about it, but I'm just actually thinking about this question as a whole, and you know, looking at the role of the goalkeeper. I'm actually questioning that. Actually, has the role of the goalkeeper ever changed? Or has the way they need to perform it changed? Because bottom line is this, they need to keep the ball out of the goal. And I think the game's always been based on the principles of play, right? So they're always going to be in possession with the team in possession. They're always going to be out of possession with the team out of possession. I think there's just more appreciation and value put on how effective a part the goal... how Yeah, how effective the part that the goalkeeper can play in that process. So... Yeah, I'm actually not thinking about this out loud. I think well, the role of the goalkeeper has never actually been different. It's actually just always been to keep the ball out of the net. Um, and, you know, to simplify it is to support the team in getting the ball forward and by distributing it, right? So, but like I said, with the rule changes and coming back to, you know, your points there about how the rules have changed, I think it's just it's just changed the way in which they need to, to perform the role. So, i.e., you can't just, you know, pick up the ball from a back cross anymore. All right, so it just means doesn't mean I can't receive it. It just means I can't pick it up. So it just means I have to alter the way in which I work it, right? Um, or again, penalties. I can't encroach off the line on a penalty kick. But, you know, this. I, th- I think going back to it, like I said, I'm not sure if the role actually has changed in, in that respect. And then, you know, there's lots of talk at the moment around potentially, you know, I think Buffon's come out recently, hasn't he? Um, with his work, I think it's with UEFA now, talking about potentially making the goals bigger, you know, because... The physical attributes of the goalkeeper have kind of developed now and progressed now to the point where you're seeing generally what you'd consider taller, more athletic goalkeepers. Um, obviously, there's anomalies to that, but you know the suggestion from him was that, well, we might need to make the goals bigger because the goalkeepers are getting bigger. And then equally on the female side of it, they're, you know, they're considering making the goals, or there's always been talk about making the goals smaller for the female game, um, just because of the physical considerations that we have around, you know, how high they can jump on an average base. Obviously, the, some of the goalkeepers can, but not all, not all of them can. So then, it, you know, you put into question, well, how 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 effective and how, how useful is it for the goalkeeper? But I think one of the challenges that goalkeepers do face is the rules always seem to impact them more than the outfield players, um, because at the end of the day, people want to see goals scored um, rather than goals kept out. And I think you know, even little rules like keeping the goalkeeper on the line um, in a penalty kick. Or, or you know, or, or evidence of support support of that. So I mean, those are my initial thoughts on the question. Um, but yeah, now that I'm thinking about, it, I'm not sure if the role of the goalkeeper has actually changed at all. Yeah, I think I would probably sort of agree with some points and disagree with others. I think that it definitely goes back to the point that Gerard made before about when they when they change the back pass rule, nobody. Um, Nobody had to worry about whether the goalkeeper had a good first touch, for example, because his first touch was to pick the ball up. Um, as far as Gerard's potential new rule, if that ever comes in, I am sacking this game off completely. If they're going to let the goalkeeper come running out of his box and catch the ball or catch it with both feet on the floor, that would just... For me, that would be a step too far because it's bad enough now that they've introduced VAR that they're looking at every single little thing. Are we going to now check to see whether there's a blade of grass under the the keeper's feet? I think that might be stretching it a bit too far. Um, the the the, the Yaz's points there about the changing the dimensions of the goal. I, I've seen that article myself, um, and 
it's one of the things that we still can't even get right in in grassroots football, uh, if I'm honest, because I'm currently coaching an under-14s team and the number of times, I think we're one of the, the only clubs in our area, in our JPL league, that has the, what I call three-quarter size goals for the under-13 and under-14 age group. So I'm still seeing them and, and having to coach my keeper, who's five foot two, five foot three, um, to keep goal in a in an eight by twenty four foot goal. So, you know, I think that again, if they implemented that rule, what are they going to say that if if your goalkeeper's over six foot six, then you've got to play in a nine foot high goal? But if he's under six foot six, you can carry on in an eight foot goal. I'm really not sure how much more they can manipulate the rules to either advantage or disadvantage the goalkeeper. I think you're spot on. I think it's all fascinating and interesting. And when we talk about role of the goalie, does the keeper have to have a specific height? I mean, I know Pete, there'll be a lot of goalkeeper coaches. It's funny how a lot of the academy goalkeeper coaches are probably about five foot nine, but they all want fucking six foot seven goalies. So, you know, I think it is fascinating. Um, there are keepers that are, we've got loads that we can mention over the years that played in the Premier League that weren't necessarily above six foot four or whatever, um, somewhere around six foot or even five eleven, but they were decent keepers. Um, I know at international level, it's a preference, isn't it? They have to be a certain height. It's all these are all fascinating stuff, and I think with the with the rule changes, I'm just I, I just think it's although it's tongue in cheek, the the point is is that for coaches listening, what do you want the game to look like? And that's a great way of predicting the game, you know, because I, I do remember coaches years ago. You'll laugh, but I remember, and you'll have been in similar calls like this, Tony. I'm sure with the Premier League and the like the workshops, and I had one with the EOC, and we were asked, um, and that was 2017, and we were asked, you know, what does a future game look like, and people are trying to predict, and most people would have predicted VAR. It's been coming for a while, especially after Lampard's goal that wasn't a goal and some other issues way before that. You know, most people would have predicted some other things that have been introduced. But, you know, there has been initiatives like, I, I guarantee, I don't think Freud's will exist. You know, I'll take that bet with anyone here. And there's been UEFA tournaments that have included it. I think it'll be kickings or dribblings. And I think it'll make the, the game more entertaining. Or what if you could self-serve on a free kick? So you don't have to, you know, you can just top it to yourself and have a shot. A bit like you would in the street. I don't know. But the, I do think, like, whether people agree or disagree on the ideas, I think the point is not necessarily an answer for now, but to go away and have a think about it is, what does the future game look like or what would you want the future game to look like? How does that influence how you want to coach the players? I think that's a really cool, creative way of thinking because, you know, there are coaches that... I remember watching a session, you're going to laugh at this, Tony. Um, it was in Pontefract, of all places, and the guy was having them receive inside the box and uh, Dennis Mortimer was saying to him, this is a true story, and Dennis, it was at Pontefract Colliery's, and uh, Dennis was saying to him, you can't do that, though. It's not realistic. And the guy said to him, no, but I, I reckon the keepers will be, people will be able to play inside the box. Plus, I want them to get more touches. So even if it's not realistic now, I'm sacrificing that. I wanna... But then you look now, years later, we're receiving inside the box. 
So, you know, I, I think it's it's a, a good place to to potentially start. Yeah, Gerard. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm curious what you guys think. The future game, the future goalie. Yeah, I think in, in, in short, you know, just listening to what you said there, it just it's just a bit of a conundrum, really, isn't it? Because if you're not preparing for the future goalkeeper, not knowing what what future goalkeeper looks like, I think you thought you'd go into danger of uh, not doing a, not doing enough of a good job, in my opinion, or or doing a or really supporting effectively what the goalkeeper needs to be doing now. Because um, fundamentally, I mean, if you if you want to simplify it, there's not going to be a future for that goalkeeper if they're not doing well at, well at anything now. Um, so I think it's, it's finding the right balance, you know, it's, it's, it's that differentiation of training and um, trying out different things with them and, you know, thinking outside the box in terms of how you might support them with different types of practices. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm big on realism, Gerard, so I think you know, the challenges that come with that is obviously you don't know what rules may or may not come in, but then at the same time, no one does. Um, so I think in many respects we're, we're somewhat on a similar playing for a level playing for for all goalkeepers and goalkeeping coaches alike. Yeah, for sure. Well, just as people are pondering on stuff, you know, have a think about what do you want your goalkeepers to look like in and out of possession? What are their roles? How will you simplify it for them? You know, and I'm, I'm going to share something uh, in here as well which came from a, a recent FA webinar. I'll share that with people around in possession. But there's a lot of really cool resources out there already. Um, and again, just a reminder, this is part of a, an FA series. So post-session today, we'll share a link to a self-reflection form, which people have filled in, you know, tons. We've had hundreds and hundreds of coaches completing and gaining CPD as a result of these series. This event is in partnership with Middlesex FA. It's eligible for an hour CPD. You'll complete the self-reflection and, and make sure you add in your fan number and that'll give you access to an hour. Um, so we'll send that over, you know, shortly. Yeah, as I'm going to share this image here, graphic with the in-possession qualities, if you like, for the role of the goalkeeper. Is there anything else just to recap or wrap up for you on the role of the goalie? Yeah, I think I, th I think the biggest one for me again, you know, really stressing that I'm not coming from a specific goalkeeping coaching background. Um, your goalkeeper is part of the team, so make sure they're still understanding the principles of playing the game and how the game operates. If you like, um, yes, there is specific things that they need to do. Every player is going to need it, whether you are, you know, whether you're a striker and you need position specific training around your finishing, whether you're a winger, and it's that inside cut to dribble. Um, or across even whatever whatever area the pitches that you're in, there's going to be specialist things that you're kind of expected to do. But I think everything should come back to fundamentally being underpinned by the principles of play. And I think if the goalkeepers understand their role in that, I think even if you are not a goalkeeping coach, you're not you don't have the luxury of having a goalkeeping coach who knows what they're doing in your environment. Um, those are some simple ways to start or explore around how bringing the goalkeeper into line with everything that the team's doing. Go for it, Gerard. Yeah, just the last point. Uh, unfortunately, Rob couldn't uh, mention it verbally, but he sent us a message. So thanks for sending that over, Rob. Um, he just wanted to add, uh, in his role in the club, 
Can't hear you, Jared. Can you hear me now? Yes. They're really big on realistic practice design uh, in their environment. They do a lot of live play, which requires goalies to recognise cues. Gone quiet again, mate. Can you hear me? Now we can, yeah. Okay. So you're just saying that they're very big on basically game-like experiences, real on live play where goalkeepers have to recognise uh, live cues and triggers. So that's how they'll develop the goalkeepers in their environment. Um, and uh, he also puts here, if you can still hear me, uh, let's have a look, which influence their start positions and their decisions on how they can influence uh, decision-making, the opportunity, and make it as hard for the opponent as possible. They're very big on developing intelligent goalkeepers. So for them, that's their qualities of the role. The goalkeeper is recognising how to interact with space, which I think loops back into a lot of the stuff we talked about before around defending the space, protecting the goal, that type of stuff. So again, there's loads out there. I would encourage anyone, Yaz, you've shared a few things in the chat as well. Um, I would encourage anyone to check out Fabian Otte, a close colleague of ours. I'm actually... Uh, written and, and studying. He's one of my supervisors, part of my PhD, uh, Fabe, and he just obviously recently graduated with his doctorate. Worked in Burnley uh, in the Premier League and in the Bundesliga as well, and he's now just joined US Soccer um, as the national goalkeeper uh, coach. He's the head of all the, the goalkeeping across the national teams, and he's super, super approachable, and he shares some great resources. He's probably... One of the ones I'd say that's uh, the future coach, if you like, of being a pracademic and having a foot in both camps um, and doing it at the highest level. So if anyone's really looking to learn some more about goalkeeping, check out Fabian Otte. He's a good one with some great developing keepers. Go for it, Tom. Yeah, just um, just share a couple of uh, live examples, if you like. Um in terms of resources, when you posted the original Twitter space thing this afternoon, um, I shared it on there and tagged in the uh, the Sunday Share crew. One of the tasks that I had when I went to York City as um, academy manager was to come up with this technical map. And basically it was, what do we expect our keepers to be able to do at each of the different age groups from the foundation phase working right through to the PDP. So uh, I shared that earlier on. People can have a look at it and, and give feedback and uh, by all means use it if you want to. I know one club um, actually stole it um, when I first put it together and put it in their um, academy performance plan, which the FA uh, then inspected and found my name on the bottom of it, even if I, even though I wasn't working for that club at the time. Um, uh, and the second one um, is really about sort of height again. Uh, I had a guy called Sam Meek who played for me in college as a goalkeeper. He was only about five foot seven, five foot eight. He'd been kept on at uh, Bolton Wanderers, uh, and I've I've always said. Uh, in academy football, especially having worked in there for 20 years, if you're not six foot plus, you're not going to get a scholarship. Um, and that's just the reality of the situation. I'm, I'm, I'm big on reality. I'm big on telling the truth. Uh, there's, uh, the, if, they, if, they, if they're still in the academy at, at, at under 16, 
it's because they haven't got another goalkeeper in most cases. But Sam sort of took that on the chin, um, played for me in college, and is now one of the senior goalkeeping coaches within the FA um, coaching department because he knows his stuff. So there are there are other routes than being, you know, a, a first-team goalkeeper. I don't think he played a great deal of senior football, but just because a keeper isn't six-foot-plus doesn't mean that there isn't, uh, you know, a, a place in the game for them. I think it's a great point, Tony, and I think, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, any one of us, whether goalkeepers, ex-players, goalkeeping coaches or outdoor coaches, we can all we can all take the time out to I guess develop ourselves and build on our knowledge on how to support the goalkeepers and outfield players. The same way most of us would do for outfield players. Um just take an extra step out of you know your comfort zone and start to learn a bit more about the goalkeeper because if you're not lucky enough to have a goalkeeping coach in your environment <coughs> then there might be something that you can still do to support them. So um no, I really appreciate your thoughts Tony and, and getting involved. Gerard, just um, conscious, obviously, is a CPD uh, opportunity for everyone to get an hour CPD in particular. Um, do you mind just sharing about how coaches can access that? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad Tony mentioned Sam. He's a top bloke. He came into Bristol, did a CPD years ago. He's brilliant. Um, so we've just shared the self-reflecting form. So, again, check that in the chat. Click on that post-module self-reflection. When you click on it, it's a really short Google form. It'll take about a couple of minutes on average. Make sure you put in your full name, the space that you've attended, and make sure you put your accurate fan number because if it's incorrect, obviously you're not going to get the points if that's what you're hoping to achieve added to your fan profile. So make sure that's right. And then there's only one task, and you can choose one of the shapes. So we use a triangle, circle, square reflection model where triangle, what are the three key takeaways for you circle could be what's still swirling around you're not sure about square is what's made sense what's squared off you can write all three or you can just choose one of them um, once you do that that'll make you eligible for up to an hour cpd and you're good to go and then uh, yaz when will the when's the last date for them as part of the series for the to be able to listen back and, and submit all the cpd hours yeah, definitely. And just to, just to clarify, the CPD is only applicable to those with an English FA fan number. Um, so make sure you get that number in. Um, the deadline is on the 29th of Feb. Um, yes, it is a leap year, so 29th of Feb, midnight on the 29th, um, where um, we'll also be hosting uh, the penultimate webinar for this series that we're running on developing the goalkeeper. So um, keep an eye out for that. We'll share a link for that shortly. Um, but over the next four weeks, we're going to be unpacking this um, idea of developing the goalkeeper further. Um, obviously, starting tonight with the role of the goalkeeper. Um, and then we'll be back next week, guys. So um, hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you know. So apologies for the slight technical issues that we've had. Um, but Tony, thank you again for your participation and your comments and your thoughts on tonight's um, space. And guys, make sure you're following us. Get in touch if you've got any questions. If you want to find out more, let us know. Um, otherwise, have a great evening, guys, and take care. There you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. 
And until next time, guys, take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.